Find that bar of chocolate you've been hiding. It's time to unwrap this week's Coco News. A story on GonaWeb caught my attention. They reported that in light of the shortage of inorganic fertilizers across the world, CocoaBud's executive director, Mr. Joseph Boahen Edu, warned that Ghanaian cocoa farmers should expect severe shortages. He said, There is no way those materials will come. So we must all brace ourselves that come next year, it won't be there, or even if it is going to be there, maybe from other countries, but it will be very limited. He was referring, of course, to the shortages caused by the war in Ukraine, which we've covered extensively. But I wondered about the impact to farmers of doing without fertilizer, or if indeed, as Mr. Adu suggests, using poultry manure as an alternative could be effective. He explained this idea. We as a country will then have to look for alternatives. We have been telling the farmers that when you talk about fertilizer it is not just the inorganic fertilizer, even the organic fertilizer, poultry manure is the best, this is the time. Now we cannot get the fertilizer, let alone to make it free. In doing some research, I was looking for quantitative data, specifically related to cocoa, that could shed light on the impact of the shortage, and how much of this gap could be made up with organic fertilizer, assuming that farmers had access to the quantities they need. I came across a terrific article on LinkedIn, published in March, 2018 by Drive Dirk Lieb, who describes himself in wonderful humility as the pretty experienced financial services specialist. I strongly recommend reading this article, which is based around Indonesia cocoa farmers. Dr. Lieb states, for every 1,000 kilograms of dried cocoa beans and their pod husks, between 129 and 143 kilograms of nutrients is absorbed from the soil. He then answers one of my questions, which was whether growing cocoa has specific soil nutrient requirements, and he divides them into two categories, macro and secondary nutrients. The macros are the essential nutrients, and secondary nutrients help boost yield. Cacao trees require a special cocoa fertilizer to ensure that the necessary macronutrients, secondary nutrients, micronutrients are replenished after every harvest and to ensure higher yields. A good cocoa fertilizer should contain nitrogen, N, phosphorus, P, potassium, K, calcium, Ca, sulfur, S, magnesium, Mg, zinc, Zn, and boron, B, in the right balance. Fertilizer is nothing more than concentrated nutrients in the right ratio. Chemical fertilizer is easy to blend in the right ratios and easy to handle. A good fertilizer needs all the nutrients, not just half or two-thirds. The link to the story is in the original article at Bartox. Alas, I didn't have time to research the nutrients in chicken manure, but I expect some researchers will be advising on the best alternatives. I'd also like to see, however, the projected impact of doing without the specialist fertilizer, and indeed what percentage of the farmers were using it previously, or potentially using it incorrectly, which perversely may reduce the negative impact when it is unavailable. Barry Colbo completes expansion of Australia Chocolate Factory. Barry Colbo is celebrating the recent completion of their 118,000-square-foot factory expansion in Campbellfield, 
Australia. The new plant officially opened on March 24, after initially being obtained as part of the GKC Foods proprietary LTD acquisition in 2020. This factory expansion underlines Barry Kalbaugh's ongoing commitment to Australia, said Joe Thies, president of Asia-Pacific at Barry Kalbaugh, echoing his statement on the recent opening of the company's Singapore headquarters. The brand has invested heavily in its presence in Asia as of late, possibly an indication of its expectations for market growth in that region of the world. The facility further strengthens our regional footprint in Asia-Pacific, producing safe and high-quality products. The move is in line with our ambition to locate production close to our customers. With the rising price of fuel impacting many worldwide, it also makes logistical sense to keep production local to consumers where possible. The expansion introduced new factory lines that will greatly increase the capacity of the facility and the range it is able to offer. Under the new factory, the chocolate makers are now able to offer locally produced liquid chocolate, compound, buttons, chips as well as specialties such as coatings and fillings. The extra facilities will also enable Barry Colbo to increase the production of their current, made-in-Australia, line, formerly GKC Foods. Dennis Convert, Managing Director Australia at Barry Colbo, commented on the opening, I am proud that our gourmet chocolates have been brought into the country for many years now. He continued, Today, I am even prouder that our high-quality, made-in-Australia, products are available in higher volumes, creating more chocolate happiness for our local consumers. According to the company, this development is part of their greater endeavor to be the leading chocolate company in Australia. Convert appears optimistic about the new build, with the expansion of our Campbellfield factory, we are well positioned to become the leading chocolate manufacturer in Australia. Cadbury's sells plant-based chocolate with anti-vegan messages. Cadbury's have opened a pop-up plant-based, mean tweet shop, in Soho, London, to tackle the negative reputation associated with vegan chocolate and promote their new line of plant bars while they're at it. Seemingly in response to growing consumer demands for plant-based options, the creators of the popular dairy milk bar have now released their plant bar, a vegan alternative to their best-selling product. Chocolate is often cited as the food item that vegans miss most when making the transition to a plant-based lifestyle, vegan chocolate does not have the best reputation. Cadbury's are attempting to convert the skeptics with their new plant bars, and they've chosen an interesting way to market them. By wrapping their vegan chocolate bars in limited-edition packaging at features mean tweets by people, they hope to invite vegan chocolate skeptics to eat their words. Some of the tweets featured on the wrappers include, Try vegan chocolate. It's so horrible you won't want a second piece and vegan chocolate? Sounds grim. Available between 22nd and March 27, 2022, curious customers can visit the store and purchase one of two new plant-based chocolate flavors, smooth chocolate or smooth chocolate with salted caramel. This comes on the heels of Vegan Nuri, where people are encouraged to get a taste of the vegan lifestyle throughout the month of January. A Vegan Nuri survey conducted in September 2019 showed that of the 1368 respondents, the majority wanted to see more sweet products veganized. The product that had by far the highest demand for plant-based reform was Cadbury's Dairy Milk Chocolate with 28% of votes, followed by Mars Bars with 14% of votes. The voting options also included cheesy products such as cottage cheese and Walker's Cheese and Onion Crisps, 
though these were all outvoted by the chocolate products, indicating that there is a higher demand for vegan sweet treats. Marketing manager at the Vegan Society, Erica Dergahi stated, with 2022 well on its way, it's fair to say that the image of veganism is undergoing the most radical change in its history. It's no longer portrayed as an unusual lifestyle, it's easy and accessible, and many people now incorporate vegan options in their everyday choices. According to YouGov, over a third of Britons have an interest in changing to a vegan lifestyle, and as more companies incorporate vegan options into their offerings, we imagine the transition will only become easier. Additionally, as more people express an intention to adopt a plant-based diet, we are likely to see a rise in chocolate makers developing their own products without animal ingredients. Hershey's won an important vote against unionizing at their second-largest manufacturing plant, against a backdrop of a revitalized union movement in the U.S. The vote count was live-streamed by the National Labor Relations Board, NLRB, who were no doubt disappointed by the outcome. Certainly some workers were not happy with the way the company has treated them. Some mentioned that they were required to work seven days in a row, although presumably paid, and had similar grievances with the time-off procedure. Nevertheless, in a company with 14,000 employees, these seem minor issues compared to other businesses that are facing similar unionizing movements. Workers at Starbucks have been dealing with an abusive working environment, management spying, and some dubious store closures, due to management's efforts to discourage unionization. Hershey's was perhaps more thoughtful than others in their approach, setting up a website that explained the benefits of independence and citing examples. However, despite some of the controversial business dealings through their supply chain, the company has been largely successful in positioning itself as a company that cares for its employees. Perhaps these last five years of building a message for fairness, at least internally, is now paying dividends. During the pandemic we reported how Hershey's was one of the few businesses that kept running rather than sending staff home. CEO, Michelle Buck has made equality and diversity a central focus for her tenure. In 2018, she accepted a corporate citizenship award for her work in making the business open to equal opportunity and diversity. It is an honor for me to accept the prestigious corporate citizenship award on behalf of the Hershey Company and the approximately 16,000 Hershey team, members who make our company the remarkable and special company that it is. Other plants will likely make their own determination in the near future, but this will no doubt provide confidence to the business that their counter-union strategy has been the right one. The International Cocoa Organization, ICCO, has embarked on a project to find ways of reducing cadmium absorption by cocoa plants in Latin America. The organization will focus on Colombia, Ecuador, Peru, and Trinidad and Tobago, where there is a high level of naturally occurring cadmium in the soil. The project has been funded through a number of sources. The project will be implemented in Colombia, Ecuador, Peru, and Trinidad and Tobago for a total cost of $551,000, with a grant of $382,000 from the WDO Standard and Trade Development Facility, STDF, and €60,000 in co-financing from the European Union. Participating countries will provide the remainder of the financing requirements as their counterpart contribution. In 2017, the EU sent a shockwave through the industry and they announced a much reduced level of acceptable cadmium for chocolate, which effectively made some products with origins from parts of Latin America illegal when it came into effect in 2019. Why is this a big deal for the EU?
Although the European Union is less than 10% of the world by population, we consume half of the world's chocolate. So determining the safety level was quite important. Cadmium is a compound with a very long half-life in the body, meaning it accumulates and stays in the body for between 10 to 30 years. The impact on children was of particular concern since children's kidneys are more susceptible to contaminants than adults. The EU drastically lowered the acceptable levels of cadmium. Because it knew this would cause significant issues to some areas of the world that grew their cocoa in cadmium-rich soil, they set up funding for research. See the article on Bar Talks to view an infographic that explains the science. Even the International Atomic Energy Agency, IAEA, conducted a study in which they worked out how to track cadmium uptake from the soil in Panama. The ICCO wants to continue their own research, hopefully producing practical steps for farmers, ultimately more helpful than PowerPoint presentations. The organization listed their objectives as follows. 1. The creation of a platform or network to share information and establish continuous dialogue among research institutes to build consensus on standardized testing protocols and best practices for cadmium mitigation and remediation. 2. Capacity building and enhanced expertise of cocoa producers slash stakeholders in the application of standardized protocols. 3. Improved knowledge and better understanding of possible sources of cadmium presence in cocoa growing areas through analysis and mapping of hotspots and recommended best practices for mitigation and remediation, and 4. Development of a training curriculum and training of master trainers, who will lead the transfer of knowledge on cadmium mitigation and remediation to cocoa farmers and traders in the region. This is not the ICCO's first rodeo, as they say, in researching ways to mitigate cadmium. In November 2017, Gideon Ramtahal, Ph.D. and postdoctoral researcher, gave a presentation in Lima, Peru, at the 2017 International Symposium on Cocoa Research. The study will last for two years, but I worry slightly that the ICCO hasn't explained what a successful outcome will look like. Will there be practical steps that will help cocoa farmers, or just more learnings from which solutions must yet be then developed? Thanks for listening to this week's Cocoa Newscast. You can also catch our other podcasts, including the Coffee Newscast and the popular Bean Talks with Nick and Max, which goes out every Monday. Stay safe and I'll see you all next week.